Hello, friends, and welcome once again to everybody's favorite therapy theme podcast. This is This Changes Everything. I'm your host, Sarah, and with me, as per usual, is the guy who's really helped us uh, blend the worlds of technology and mental health. It's Therapy Jeff. Hi, Therapy Hello. Jeff. I would like to think that's true. We're going to really get into that. Yes. Uh, this episode. Yeah. Yes. Uh, our theme today is the digital dilemma unraveling technology's effects on our mind. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the role that technology plays in or plays on our mental health and the ways that technology impacts our mental health. I mean, I it's something that we're it. so involved with, but, and we like kind of know this, but we rarely get a chance to unpack it and talk about it and really examine the ways that it affects us. Right. Right. When was the first time you got a cell phone? Oh, what a good question. I can remember exactly the day. It was Were you like, like begging for it before? No. No? I do not really care. I mean, maybe <laughs> at the time I wanted one to like be cool because everybody else sure. had one, but I was not one of those people who was like, oh my God, I need it. I wasn't even one of those people who would hang, up, hang on the phone for many oh, really? hours. And huh. yeah, I, that wasn't me. I still am not. Like, good luck getting a hold of me via anything like it's not gonna happen so i can remember i got a you know one of those nokia phones that you could like make a different color case on it oh i love that (laughs) and um yeah the one with snake on it anybody who's like under the age of 25 has no idea what we're talking about so wait so you're your 15th birthday what year is my 15th birthday the morning of my birthday we went to my favorite breakfast spot eggs and things (laughs) and yep and I got a phone for my birthday, and it was the same year that I, I, had, I had just gotten my permit. I'd actually been driving illegally the year before because my mom was like, just take the car. Go ahead. Like, I, oh. It doesn't matter. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I got my driver, like, my permit, and it was the phone that, you know, now you have a car, now you need a phone kind of thing. Oh, what about you? So was it like a safety thing? Like, yeah, probably. I think it was like we need to know where you are now because now you have a car and now mm-hmm. you, you know. So I, I used it primarily for Snake. I will not. I will <laughs> never forget. Like my memories of having a phone are not talking on the phone. It is strictly just playing that game. That's so it. yeah. We need to let people know that like Snake oh, is yeah. a very old school. Like oh basic the old schools. game on on lots of phones, and it's weirdly addictive. And when that and it was it, it felt like such a special thing to have a game on a phone in your pocket. The it's novelty, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it really was like it felt like such a because we were never a family that was able uh, was really allowed to have video games. Like my mom was real anti. Like having us in front of screens, and oh. so we, ne- we I never owned a Game Boy. I never owned mm. a. It wasn't until we were much older that we even got a video game console. Like it, that was not a thing we had. Hmm. It was outdoor recreation, and that's it. So when oh. there was a game on my phone, oh god, that was everything to me. So what? When did? When? What about you? When was your first one? Well, for so what? What year was that? You were fifteen, but was that okay, in the? I was fifteen. I was born in eighty six, ninety six. Oh, so two thousand one. Two thousand one. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I was a I sophomore first... in high school. Okay, my first cell phone was um, when I was twenty three, and what? <laughs> what is happening? You well, aren't. 
a million years old. What, I, am, what? <laughs> I am a million years But it was 23. It was actually 2002. So oh, in 2002. So like the year after. Okay. Well, so just the year after you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, just it a was, baby. <laughs> It was uh, it was a little a little tiny Nokia phone. Yes. Did um, you have a changeable cover on yours? No, I didn't. Oh, I it was really just wanted a, to know what color. Yeah. A black. It was just a black okay. Nokia phone, which I thought was it was and it was just for making phone calls. That's all. I don't even think I I don't I didn't text or I didn't have the ability to text or I didn't know that there was the ability to text. Who wanted to when you had to press a thousand? It was like. The People T9 don't know this. Texting, when you text yeah. back in the day, you'd have to press each letter. You know the letters that are at the bottom of each number? Those mean something. <laughs> and those used to correspond to how we would text. We'd have to press all those. You want to see? You have to press one, one, two, three times. But you know, Golly. But you know what I did have that you probably did not have? In high school, I got a beeper. <laughs> Oh, well, my parents were on the beeper and that because they're both in the film industry and we couldn't Mm. talk to them, you know, during the day when they were on set. But if there were ever an emergency, we would page them 911. Right. And that meant call home. (laughs) And then we started abusing that. (laughs) 911, mom, where are the cookies? (laughs) That always happens. Always happens. Yeah. yeah. Does, did it feel were cool like, looking down at your beeper? Oh my god, it was so cool. It was so <sighs> fucking cool. I think it was. It was very like that. Didn't last very long, and it was like a very specific time period when that would happen. And for some reason, like most of my friends had beepers. They became sort of like cheap, were and they came in like drug dealers. What yes, yes, we all dealt drugs, <laughs> but we all had. There was like a time where like there was these beepers that were like plastic, sort of see through and different colors. Like oh, they were meant yes. for. Kids. I remember these. They remember were like the clear. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally clear. do. Yep. Which was very 90s. Like you could see through the clear like packaging and see all the technology, whether it was your, a phone, a landline or a beeper or something like that. Oh, the and, landlines. I had one of those too. Yes. Yeah. And we, and we, and me and my girlfriend both had beepers and we would just text each other like one, four, three, one, four, three. Meant, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> That was that was all the texting that we did. Just one four threes and yes. and nine one ones. One four three for those of you who are not aware, it means I love you. Yes, Why because one four, one for the I, just one okay. letter for the I, and then four letters for the L O V E, and then three letters for. Yeah, I see, yeah. I see, I see. It was that. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Duh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God. So yeah. I so <laughs> it, you, it, you. So like that was like the dawn of of the technology age where it did kind of shift our communication. It shifted a whole bunch of things. You know, it feels almost like we had access to so much and something so different all of a sudden, and then we kind of ran with it and. It was like the Wild West for a while, and now we're kind of realizing that maybe we need to set some boundaries. Maybe there is such thing as too much of a good thing. Maybe this thing that, uh, you know, was, uh, for example, Snake is great to play, but if you're avoiding doing homework and your responsibilities and things like that, it becomes a problem. So today we're going to unpack really like the relationship that we have with technology, how it affects our mental health and how it maybe even also like benefits our mental health. 
and how to kind of find that balance in your own life. We want to give you guys some, you know, good tips and tricks, how to set boundaries, how to uh, uh, not become too sucked into that world that can help maybe like help lead to us losing a little bit of ourselves sometimes. Yeah. At least for me. What do you, I mean, do you think you have a good personal relationship with technology? Like how would, Oh, you, you're very confident about that. I I do. I know that I do because (laughs) I make sure that I take technology breaks. I think that, um, I, because I have such little interest in doing it, I am in a profession that where I, I have to be online. You know, I think a lot of us now, even if we're just promoting ourselves, even like as a therapist, like we have to have a presence on there. And so I, I feel like I do what I need to do, but I can recognize when I'm getting sucked in hmm. and I can recognize when it's taking a toll on my other relationships or other responsibilities. But that took a long time. That wasn't something that happened overnight. I think as somebody who has ADHD and is very easily distracted, I was at the mercy of the phone for so long and and really a lot of my habits and behaviors were controlled by it. And I had to set those boundaries with myself. Mm -hmm. And in order to just be in it, my partners would say, You've been spending too much time. I'd really like to have a dinner. Like Eli and I now have very strict boundaries around phones. We do not bring the phone out at the dinner table. When we had dinner together every single night, at not in front of the couch, we have it at the table. We put the phones away. There, it's it. So we had to set those boundaries. Mm-hmm. But it, if I were single, it probably would be different. Mm-hmm. So what about you? Oh, it's been up and down. It's really bad now. Currently, especially with like uh, being therapy, Jeff and posting content and yada, yada. Like it's once I started to post videos online on TikTok and social media or Instagram, it, it totally took over my life and I've been struggling a lot with setting, with setting boundaries. And so, uh, and it's been having a toll on my mental health in a, it has had a pretty negative <laughs> effect on my mental health, and uh, I've I've had to like really think about. Um, okay, like I'm going to go ahead and try to set boundaries and yeah. not be on my phone or not you know not be addicted to the dopamine hits or whatever. Don't wake up to it, yada yada. And it's just it. I do that for a few days, and then I like go right back into those habits. So for me, it yeah. feels like I either have to be a lot more boundaried and consistent or I need to stop doing therapy draft videos. Like oh, this is, it, this it is, seems like, okay, it can, it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm like not sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking like, I eventually need to stop. I like there's, and there's a, uh, and, and now, you know, since like becoming a content creator and being connected with like a whole bunch of other content creators, there's, I get to like talk to them about their experience and they've all talked about how, like, if you are a successful content creator, the like lifespan is usually just three yeah. years. You can only last three that years online because, because right. you try to set all the boundaries you want until eventually you just cannot take it anymore. And I get that. I feel like I understand where that's I think that from. three year, that three year, uh, time frame is not just for, you know, how much you can be in it. But I've even felt that 
I've seen the shift in what's popular on social media. Mm. It is in about a three-year cycle mm. where it'll mm. be these really um, uh, curated, perfectly put together looking pages and then that'll be in fashion and then about three years later everybody's like no we want something that's like real and authentic and more just like whatever like natural like diy not posed and then it it, and then it goes back it's it's hard to you have to be very adaptive if you're going to be somebody who's in that world and know that your identity online is, even though it can feel similar to your identity in real life, it can't mm-hmm. make up for that. And there has mm-hmm. to be that balance of who am I outside of the internet or outside of social media technology being yeah. connected. You know? Yeah, it's my, you're right. Well, I know we are talking about social media technology, all that today. Here is a way that social media and technology and all that is going to help you give the ultimate gift. Do you have somebody in your life that you want to uh, uh, celebrate, that you want to like communicate your feelings to, but maybe don't know how to put that in the word into words? Well, Songfinch is here for you. This is an amazing company that lets you, well let's say, very talented recording artist, customize a song for somebody special in your life. This is so cute. Yeah, and Songfinch actually like walks you through the simple four-step process to create an original song. All you have to do is tell them about who the song is for, provide them some personal details, and let them know the type of song you want. Then pick your favorite Songfinch artist. Uh, I know that you are working on a song. For one of your very favorite friends, what um, like what type of song did you tell them to make? So I wanted something that was like fun and playful and uplifting, and I felt like matched her who she was. So I wanted something that was like uh, kind of like folk artisty, but mm. also had an upbeat, um, like happy tone, and it is so perfect. The, the person I picked to do it, I just know that my friend is absolutely going to love this and I can't wait to hear it. It's it's like a gift for her, but also a gift for me. <laughs> it is. So for a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song on Spotify for free so you can listen to your new favorite song anywhere you go. Go to songfinch.com slash TCE and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free. That's a $50 value. This offer is only available for my listeners, our listeners, at uh, our special URL, songfinch.com slash TCE. That's songfinch.com slash TCE. And be sure to share your song with us. It's such a funny, like, if you do start creating content and then you do get big, uh, you get big for a specific reason. And then eventually, like, the technology or the trends evolve past you. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out, like, are you going to evolve with the trends? Can you actually do that? Or is the internet leaving you behind because you were, like, part of a very specific time period? Uh, and and, and it get, then you start to feel like, oh, my God, like, everybody loves me. This is so great. I'm getting so much validation. And then everybody starts to, like, lose interest oh. in you. And that really affects your own mental health and your identity and esteem and confidence. Self-worth. Right? Yeah. yeah. And if your self-worth is, is in the hands of, of people who are really just going by internet trends, mm-hmm. then that's, that's, uh, that is very uh, – 
I don't know, it's like building, building your house on sand. <laughs> right. You yeah, know, exactly. like we can't control that. We can't, that's, that's going to fall. That's, that's not what you want to build it on. No. So, you know, we, we could get easily into the negative category about like, and, and don't worry, we will talk about the things sure. that are, are not positives, but we can't just, you know, there's something wonderful about it. And there are so many great things that come from technology. I think if you were anyone who was a little bit of an oddball or you felt like you didn't have community, the internet is such a great place to connect with people outside of just your immediate circle and can create so much strong connection with people who are like you, but I don't know, maybe in different places. I know as like the weird goth kid in high school, when I got, uh, uh, what did I have? What was that thing that was real? MySpace. When I got MySpace, I was like, yes, everybody, people like me, they have black hair. They want to have tattoos. They listen to cool, hardcore music. This was not at my high school in Orange County. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Ugh, the pressure, though, of like choosing your top eight friends on MySpace. Or the music. Oh, the kids it. today will never know. <laughs> and how did I know how to write code, too? Like, you had to write your own You had to code. learn HTML. Yeah. I couldn't even believe that I had, I knew how to do that at one point. I could <laughs> not do that at all now. So, uh, yeah, the internet for me was a place where I found connection when I felt kind of like a weirdo in Sure, of my, course. I don't know. Yeah. And, and that is like, it's such an amazing, lovely part of the internet. And it happens still today, obviously, like whether it's on a Reddit uh, group or a Reddit thread, like Reddit has some problematic stuff going on, but there's also like some incredibly amazing, supportive, lovely communities, or it might be happening in Fortnite where the kids are like playing when, with all their avatars and they get friends through their Fortnite buddies. Like there's, there's just like so much beautiful, lovely connection. And there's also kind of like, if you do connect with people that are like-minded or share your values, maybe political values, you can start a fucking revolution. So there's Absolutely. like, there's been, you know, we've used whatever, Facebook or Twitter, all the other different like social media apps in order to like rally people and educate yeah. people and get people to show up for a protest or a march or something like that. Um, whether it's like locally or around the world, right? Like all of these like amazing marches probably couldn't happen if we didn't have like internet communities, right? Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like as a therapist, I, I feel like one of the most powerful tools for healing are support groups. And when you feel very alone and maybe something you've been through, uh, maybe you don't have a lot of people who share your experience in common within your community that you can't meet with those people in person. Or if you did, there'd be like two or three of you there. But, you know, a support group, I, I've seen support groups for aging parents, support groups for people who have lost a sibling, support groups for, um, you know, ADHD and being somebody who's in a, I've even seen one for people in the mental health field who also have ADHD. <laughs> and like, that is so specific. And I'm like, oh my God, these people get me. Like, mm-hmm. that feels so good. And there's so much that can come from uh, connecting to others mm-hmm. you know, in that way and online. And Oh my God. There's so, so many that. niche support groups out there yes. and it's so, so very sweet. Uh, yeah. especially 
talking to clients these days, most of my clients have um, babies or their new little kids, and they're able to find other moms or dads out there that are like going through the same sort of developmental stages that their kid is going through, experiencing the same sorts of problems. They get so much like validation and support. And it'd be nice to be able to like contact your doctor whenever you want, but it's almost like just as valuable, just like talking to other people that are going through the same thing uh, when you're like freaking out about uh, how your baby is developing or what your kid is experiencing. I I feel like the doctors would also like that you're maybe going to those support groups first. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, for Pete's sake, you don't need to call me for this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and even just like all the, you know, we were talking just a bit ago about like there's just a lot of connection that happens online. I feel like all of the connection eventually, whether you know it or not, it turns into a support group because you feel seen, you feel understood, you feel validated. Um, yeah, and I remember, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s before all of this happened. If you were like a loner kid in high school, that was it. That you were done. That you were alone. And now you're like your personality and or maybe mental health issues are going to develop around feeling really disconnected, right? And there's and so now that we like have these opportunities to connect online, uh, yeah. I think yeah, that's a huge positive for sure. Yeah more resources, more things available. I mean, I'm somebody who does all of my therapy online and it would be really hard for me to work with the people that I work with in a live office setting because they've got really busy schedules. You know, I've got a lot of clients who are like, I want to do therapy on a hike. I don't want to do it in a, (laughs) okay, let's do that. We do that all the time. So, you know, it kind of, that's obviously not technology, but you know, like I can work with more people. I can connect to more people. I really Mm -hmm. hope that the ability for mental health to Uh, mental health being accessible or more accessible via technology. We've talked about this in a past episode. I I would love to see more of that because I know that's been very, I did a a couple session with Eli in in Mexico. Yeah. It was great. That's crazy. Yeah. It's so funny. It's weird. Like before the pandemic, you know, uh, therapists and the mental health community would, would, we were constantly talking about like, how can we make therapy more accessible? What are we going to do? Like, this is such a big problem that people in rural areas or small towns, like they don't have the access that people in big cities have. And then the pandemic happened. And then I was like, oh, well, that, that fixed that problem all of a sudden. Now we can like all do therapy online. Therapists are trained to give therapy online, whether we like it or not. I did not like it. And now I'm good at it like it's just sort of like it's it's what happens yeah it's different whatever i'm still a really good therapist online uh and so it has and it's like uh it's made it sort of like more democratized there's just sort of like uh more people have access it for some people it can be like a little bit more affordable this way uh instead of like having to drive hours and pay for gas and Mm -hmm. yada yada so we're, we're happy. That's a, that's a good positive effect that's yeah. happened. Well, before we dive into any more, let's talk about one of my favorite sponsors. Why? Because I love saving money and Rocket Money helps me do it uh, with very little effort because they do all of the hard work for me. You got a bill that you're paying too much for? Don't worry. Rocket Money will come in and they will negotiate a lower price for you. They did that for my cell phone bill. Now I save $15 a month. Thank you very much. And 
they will also help you cancel all those unwanted subscriptions. Just last week, I was on a below deck kick, so I downloaded. Uh, 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 what the heck is it on? Is it Bravo? Whatever, Peacock. Peacock. And then Rocket Money was like, "Hey, your Peacock just went up five ninety nine. I didn't realize I had two subscriptions. Now I already had one. So thank you, Rocket <laughs> Money, for letting me know I was paying for something twice." I mean, honestly, who hasn't been on a below deck kick? You know, right. like we need rocket human. money to keep an eye on us. Uh, and yes. when did everything is subscriptions now? Every yes. single thing. There's no such thing as not a subscription. So this is, and rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels all of your unwanted subscriptions, which you have, whether you know it or not. They monitor your spending, they help lower your bills, and they have over 5 million users. They have helped save their members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. I know that they've saved you even more than $720. Yes, 100%. Thing, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So we think that you should stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash TCE. That's rocketmoney.com slash TCE. Rocketmoney.com slash TCE. I would also say, as uh, speaking as a therapist, that, that I feel like I can provide my clients with very helpful tools that are, you know, utilize technology and uh, like um, a lot of mindfulness apps like the Calm app and, you know, all mm-hmm. those kind of things that I, I can remember a time when my grandma gave me a box set of cassette tapes that were relaxation tapes to listen to when going to bed. And this thing was like huge. It was like six inches deep. It was like 24 cassette tapes. You must've bought it on some like infomercial. Like, are you looking for ways to relax? I remember it was like the, the a conversation with a Buddhist monk and uh, a psychiatrist or something like that who were having a conversation <laughs> about like the mind and the power uh-huh. of the mind and like just hours of this to... Now, I got all that on my phone. And I could, like, UCLA Mindfulness Center has an app that is so good. I tell all my clients about that UCLA Mindfulness app that's by Mark Selgman, I believe. And Mm -hmm. he runs that that UCLA Mindfulness Center that's called MARC, Mark Center. And you guys Mm -hmm. can download that app and it have access to free guided meditations. It's wonderful. I love that. I give all my clients that. And Mm -hmm. Those kind of tools are are so helpful when we're like in the moment or those things that track your moods. I Mm -hmm. love that. Whenever I assign that homework to a client, let's like do a little mood tracker. Let's see if you really are feeling sad a whole bunch of the time or really are. Oh, it turns out it's Mm -hmm. a little different than we thought. Or turns out there are these moments of happiness and joy in between and being able to have something uh, you know, on hand that can help as a tool to track those kind mm-hmm. of things is wonderful. Yeah. I the, even like tracking menstrual cycles. Uh, oh, yep. Yeah. And I like can connect with my girlfriend's menstrual cycle yes. app so that I get notifications letting me know where they are in the cycle, how they might be feeling, what their body is going through. And yes. that is like, yeah, that's not anything. That's that a cheat code to, for us. Yeah. <laughs> That is having the user's manual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well for sure. done. Yeah. We love to see it. And there's also just like, 
you know, being people being able to like make stuff and do like self-expression online so that they can feel creative and other people can see it and they can feel valued and they can feel like they're like they're, they matter or their opinion matters. It's interesting because it's like I feel because like now everything is online. We went from in the 90s. I think in the 80s and 90s, it was more like the monoculture. Have you ever heard that term, the monoculture? So Of no, like okay. everybody decided what was popular and like we all – like the, yeah. the culture was decided by the collective group rather than being – there being different – yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So we had like MTV told us what music was cool. Everybody was like, I guess this is it. This is the monoculture. MTV tells us what's cool. And 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 that's that. Or maybe like Rolling Stone. Or there was like a right. couple news magazines or channels or something. And we're all just we we're all going through the same sort of culture. <laughs> and that's yeah. what happened. And then the internet happened and it was it just blew that shit up. So which it's interesting because it's harder maybe for like uh, for example, for like a musician to become like Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift is just like an anomaly. Like she has right. taken over. But before, when it was the monoculture, sort of smaller bands would actually like become really big hits. Like it was whether it was you know maybe Weezer or Stone Temple Pilots or even Nirvana maybe or Pearl Jam or something like there was like these bands like oh this is the band of the month or this is the band of the year. But now there's, like, a ton of different music and artists out there, and it's harder for them to get big because there is no monoculture now. But it's easier for them to be seen by the people that actually want to see them. So they will find their audience most likely. Uh, So there's pros and cons for the monoculture going away, but I think it's good that there's, like, more diverse acts and voices and stuff like that. I was just watching an artist on Instagram who's this guy who I want to say he's probably in his 50s. And he does amazing, like, pen and ink drawings Mm. that are very delicate and very fine line, beautiful work. He said, he did a post on Instagram where he said he's been in this, like, he was an artist for 20 years. He's been doing this, like, didn't get any attention. He starts Mm. putting a few videos of him drawing on Instagram. Next thing you know, he's got... 200,000 followers and is selling out of all of his stuff. And he Mm. feels like he actually has, you know, viewers and eyes on this thing. And I can't like, you know, I I can't imagine you're in your fifties and you just think I'm never going to make it as an artist. Like I've been doing this and I guess it's just, you know, this select few who are going to keep enjoying my work. And then boom, there's Mm -hmm. no such thing as too old or, or Mm -hmm. too anything to, to share your stuff in a, in an age of technology, really, where, where we can expose so many people to it. But I would imagine that he has those thoughts in blowing up real quick, kind of like maybe you were talking about in the beginning of, oh, no, I, I got tons of attention, and then it kind of went away. Yeah. What do I mm-hmm. have to do to maintain this? Or it feels like maybe now a guy who you know, didn't get the attention, then got a lot of it. And then it goes away. Maybe it was still more than he had in the beginning, but mm-hmm. there's a feeling of loss or a feeling of I'm not enough because mm-hmm. you've experienced that big, mm-hmm. you know, rise and then change. Yeah. That yeah. would be so hard to adjust to. It is. It's very weird. And it's very, and, it, yeah. and we don't, and nobody really talks about it because those people that may, and we've done this to like tons of people online or creators online. Like we like somebody for a certain amount of time and then we just sort of get boring of their shtick. 
and we stop listening to them or the algorithm right. stops feeding us their stuff, whatever. And, and whatever happens to that person, <laughs> like, we don't know because we're not watching them anymore. Uh, so it's this weird sort of like 15 minutes of fame sort of thing. And then it goes away and then you have to adjust to what the next thing is. Are you going to keep on trying to chase that, that those viewers and the fame, or are you going to evolve or are you going to sort of like take what you got? Um, yeah, it's really tricky. Yeah. So I felt hmm. like we were very nice to technology for a while. We <laughs> talked about all the positives. We, we like are not just shitting on technology in the future here because it's how, you know, we pay the bills and our bread and butter. So sure. we understand so many wonderful things. But now that we've said that, let's talk a little bit about the negatives, the downside, the dark side of technology, the part that we tend to like ignore or, or, uh, you know, oh, it feels so good to pick up my phone. And I think that it's relaxing me and I think it's giving me a brain break, but actually... Mm-hmm. It's increasing depression and anxiety like tenfold. So let's dive into a little bit of the, the more negative sides of technology. Yeah. I mean, the, the classics, I feel like one of the things that we like, one of the first things that we sort of noticed, or maybe we noticed like our kids, the youth kind of uh, battling with was just sort of the, you comparing yourself to other people's lives online. Like the, the shit that we post on Instagram is just so incredibly curated and thought about, you know, with the best angles and your cutest looks. And it, you want to make it seem like this is your regular everyday life, but of course it's not at all. And and then we feel like we have to like compete with those images. It's, it fucks with you so much. I feel like that was one of the first things that I noticed was just like, I'm doing this and I didn't even know it. You, that you said it, you do not know about this. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you. I, how many times I, people will say, I was just having this conversation with Eli the other day because he went and he got a medical procedure done and he, they took his blood pressure and before the procedure and he was like, oh no, that's really high. Is there something wrong? Should I be worried? They're like, of course it's high. You're about to have a medical procedure. And he goes, but I don't feel nervous. I know you don't think you feel nervous. Mm. I understand that you're, you may not think that, but there's so much your brain is doing and there are so many tabs open on the you know, internet of your brain, like page of your brain, <laughs> that you have no idea what is going on in the background, that, that we can be sitting there looking at uh, you know, social media saying, oh, isn't this fun? I'm enjoying this. But it is actually behind the scenes increasing our depression and anxiety as we do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And there's also like, uh, it's, it's consumerism as well. Like we're thinking like, oh, we need to buy the thing or the makeup or the clothes or the whatever in order to like look good. And, and so it's so nice. The ads are so integrated, so like <laughs> smoothly into all of our feeds. And then we go ahead and we buy it so we can look as good as all the other people online. And and it's happening all behind the scenes in our brain. Like we don't even realize how we're being reinforced and what we're actually doing. Are you somebody who falls after. for those Instagram ads that like are are selling you stuff that Yes. I, I would like to like I for the longest time I did not. And but it it's so 
It just knows me so well. It tracks every single thing I do and say probably, and it knows exactly where I go and what clothes I wear. The ads are too good for me not to buy the items. They are so good that I bought, maybe you've seen this on my Instagram account, I bought a pair of fleece overalls Mm. after I already owned them. Eli and I both started getting ads for these same overalls. I don't know how a new, but it was like, she really likes these. We should probably yeah. see if she'll buy another pair. And guess what? I did. So <laughs> it definitely worked. They definitely know what they're doing. Yeah. It, it, and it does drive up consumerism in a way. Whenever I go camping and I'm off the grid for five days, I come back home and it feels like I don't need anything. I don't have that ur- – I mean, it's like maybe I'm like, oh, I need some new socks for warmer mm-hmm. hiking experience. But mm-hmm. I don't think I need to look cooler. I don't think I need to change anything about what I have to change who I am in any way. Right, right. That all goes away with a couple hours on the yes. phone. So fast. Okay, well, let's take a quick time out and talk about Daily Harvest. You know, we are two therapists, and therapists have busy, busy schedules, and we don't often have time to, like, I don't know, make a whole nutritious meal. Thank goodness we have Daily Harvest. Just, just the other week, Eli was in a rush to get to work, and I was like, no, you have to have something to eat. You can't just leave. Let me make you a smoothie. And he goes, I literally have two minutes. Will it take two minutes? And I said, tie me. And it absolutely took Less than two minutes because it's so easy. You've got all these amazing, delicious ingredients right there in the cup ready to go. You just fill it up with your desired liquid, pour it in a blender, boom, and then stick a straw in it, pour it right back into the container. It came in no waste. He was out the door in like one minute and 53 seconds. We love Daily Harvest on the pod. Uh, I actually have been eating more of the pastas lately. And when you, when I like pour all the pasta, frozen pasta stuff in the little like pan and turn it on, I'm just like, I'm not quite sure how this is going to turn out. It looks interesting. (laughs) And then it turns out perfectly every single time. I love my pasta mixes from Daily Harvest as well as the smoothies, obviously. And we think that you should keep yourself and your freezer full with hassle-free meals from Daily Harvest. Go to dailyharvest.com slash TCE to get up to $65 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash TCE for up to $65 off your first box. dailyharvest.com slash TCE. Before the phone and before the internet, probably, like, the consumerism would try to tell us that we're not good enough through, like, billboard ads or commercials on TV, which felt, like, pretty easy to ignore or to turn on or off. You know, like, it wasn't – Yeah. it was all just, like, uh, very kind of (laughs) cute, and I see what you're doing here, and I'm going to decide if I want to listen now. But, like, now that it's – like, the the message that, like, the phone is sending us is you're – you're not good enough. Right. You're just, you're not cool enough. You're not smart enough. You're not funny enough. You're not good looking enough, whatever it is. And so here's all the ways to get to be good enough. You can like buy all the stuff or you can follow all these creators that are just like, this is how you do it. And even therapy Jeff does it, right? Like you're not emotionally intelligent enough. Right. I think is, is sometimes the message that comes through. So you should follow me if you want to like boost your relationship intelligence or whatever. Like I'm, 
And then that's what the algorithm wants me to create. And that's how I'll get viewers. And then that's how I'll get paid. Like I'm, I'm just a cog in the stupid fucking fucked up system. (laughs) So we we all are. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad that you like, if you can separate that, you being like a cog in the system from who you Jeff is as a person, Mm-hmm. then we can help maybe balance out a little bit, like reduce some of that anxiety and depression and those feelings of not enoughness or like mm-hmm. comparison and all that. Mm-hmm. It has to be. And, you know, when I was so quick to answer, like, yeah, I do think I have good balance. I think a lot of that came from me being forced to recognize that I am separate. My identity is separate from what is being portrayed because I was on television for 11 years. My identity was in the hands of producers to create. So I had to say, I am not who... This 60-minute show edits mm-hmm. me to be. I am m- mm-hmm. more to me than that. I am a full, complete human who has good times and bad times and positive things and blah, 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 blah. And they will, like, reduce you to, like, your lowest in a way on social media and when you're on reality television. So, right. but that was a hard thing to learn. And, you know, we kind of touch on this about like opening yourself up to the criticism of others, but I don't think the human mind is prepared to experience what we label as like cyberbullying and experience the, um, judgment or critique or, or Mm -hmm. I don't know, even just like feeling like opinion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of a bunch of fucking strangers. I mean, I love you. Strangers company excluded. (laughs) No, all of our strangers. Yeah, you're not strangers. strangers. We actually have relationships. (laughs) Um, The it's the fucking trolls, and and there's there's something you know. This isn't like a newsflash to anybody, but there's like the anonymity of the internet. uh, Like feels like it allows you to be as mean and nasty and fucked up. And there's a culture of being mean and gross and disgusting and, and pulling people down and making them feel bad about themselves. So you can feel better so that you can feel like you have power or you have influence over them. It's gross. I cannot relate to that. Mm. I don't, uh, that is something like, I get it. You've never had the feeling though of like the the desire. No. It, the opposite. Mm-hmm. I would be plagued with extreme guilt that I would ever make somebody feel sad. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe that's the people pleaser in me where I always think, is this going to make – like I think like what is it Thumper's mother from Bambi? If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> like is this going to make them feel better or worse? If the answer is worse, why would I say – why would I want this other person to feel worse? Somebody feeling worse – I, I think people think it will make them feel better, and I don't see that. I think it gives some of the trolls a momentary, like, feeling of, I don't know, bliss power. or power or, yeah. or you know, something. Uh, it, it I can understand why it feels good to, like, beat up on somebody that you don't like or somebody that you despise or somebody you think is just really fucking cringe or doesn't deserve whatever the attention that they're getting or something. Uh, I, I have felt compelled to do that, but it's never a good idea because then you get caught up in the whole bullshit and comments go back and forth. It ruins your day or week or whatever. Like it's, it's a, so there's, but as, as you know, and you've, I'm, I know that you've probably experienced this before, but like, I'm more of like, uh, it's a, it's still kind of novel that I'm like a big yeah. deal online. And there's like, 
parts of the internet, places on the internet, groups on the internet that maybe like don't like me. And I maybe have talked about this before, but no, when I was first, so. when I was first starting out, like the first year, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm becoming recognized. And now there's people that don't like what I'm doing. And I am a hundred percent interested in what these people that don't like me think of me. And I would oh. go down these wormholes and rabbit holes and it felt like this some sort of weird version of self-harm like emotional yeah, self-harm where i'm just like i want to know what like people that don't know me are saying the nastiest shit about me i'm so fucking curious what could they possibly say and if i knew what they were saying then maybe i could do something about it and there were things that they were saying that i could do something about like when i first started posting i don't know why this was happening i think it had something to do with the shampoo poo that I was using. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But when I first started posting, I was like, my eyebrows were just sort of like thinning out and I was like losing my eyebrow. And I didn't even realize that I was like, have barely any eyebrows left until I like found this very small Reddit community talking about therapy Jeff's eyebrows and how much better their eyebrows are and what oh, is wrong. No. Like, does he have no, and I, and I was like, Jeff, you oh are my God. Eyebrows. Oh, Sarah, I am my eyebrows now. Like I was <laughs> And so I was like, so I did so much research into like, why are my eyebrows? Is this like a genetic thing? Is it because I'm Jew, do Jewish people lose their eyebrows when they're 40 years old? I have no idea. I, and so I, I, I started using a different shampoo. Wow. Aveeno is what I use now. And I started using, what is it? Eyebrow. Oh fuck. It's the like eyebrow lash, eyebrow serum yeah. from yeah. whatever. And I apply that. And now my eyebrows are beautiful. So thank you, Reddit community. Wow. That was, but, but it made me so, but it took like six to nine months for my eyebrows to like come back. There yeah. would, in any group that if you were just a person, there are going to be people out there who are going to pick you apart and criticize for yes. whatever that that is like chasing the wind. And that is like, yeah. If it's not your eyebrows, somebody's going to be like, well, no, I don't like him with a beard. I don't like him with sure. this. He needs more of this. Yeah. I can't please everybody. And if it ain't your cup of tea, don't drink it. No. Yeah. There's people like, I don't like his voice. I don't like how he moves his hands. Oh. And so I was like, I'll try Most to speak can it. differently. Or I'll try to like hold my hands under my butt. And it, and I was like, okay, this is not good for me. No. I My like self-esteem is plummeting. I'm seeing my face online every day while I'm making these videos. And I'm seeing these like really random communities. That, but I have to like search for those communities. So it became a, an issue. I now do not do that anymore. But it is... <laughs> I was surprised that I like that I got hooked into that stuff. So like the the cyberbullying or the trolls yeah. or we, the negative we can't comments. control it. No, yeah, we can't. Okay, well, before we go any further in this conversation, let's take a minute to talk about naked wines. Are you the kind of person who? feels like you go to the grocery store and you get really overwhelmed when you look at all those wines and then you go, uh, I'll just get that one. Or you just judge it by the label and you have no idea what you're getting. And then you're paying a whole bunch for like, you don't even know what you're like paying the middleman anyways, because that's how that whole industry works. So luckily naked wine is the answer. This is a wine service that will deliver it to your door for so little. It's insane. I'm like, how are these people still in business? And it like cuts out that middleman. So you're getting amazing boutique, like 
great wines that every single time they show up, I'm like, oh my God, this is fantastic. And you take a little quiz that like dials in your preference. So they really, really know what you like and you are getting good stuff with like their guarantee behind it. I feel like what you just said about like, do you pick out wines based on the like the the label, mm-hmm. like the cool like design or graphic they have? We all go through that stage of like, I guess this is what a good wine is. I'm going to pick out like the hippest right. looking, and I have not gotten through that stage. That's still something I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I feel like Naked Wines has like saved me because, interestingly, like the design of the label doesn't mean that the wine is actually good. Right. Uh, it has taken a long time for me to learn that. So we think that you should head over to nakedwines.com slash TCE and click enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and enter TCE for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That is crazy. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. That's nakedwines.com slash TCE. Use the code and password TCE and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time. That's nakedwines.com slash TCE. Code and password is TCE for $100 off your first six bottles. You are welcome. You are welcome. All right. So I think that this is an example of Dunbar's number played out in real life. Are you familiar with this? That So Dunbar's number is uh, this, uh, I don't know if it's a man or woman, Robin Dunbar, but it's a theory that says there are there's a limited number of social relationships that we're able to have. So we are able to have five intimate, very close relationships. Like this is like what we as humans have the mental and emotional capacity to stand and to, to, you know, deal with five intimate relationships, best relationships, 15 good friends with with those with whom you may spend your Saturday night. Like this is who I'm hanging out on Saturday, 15 of those, then 50 friends. These are the typical, like this is a typical overnight camp size among traditional hunter gatherer communities. So that's Hmm. where that number kind of developed that we have like an evolutionary, uh, uh, I don't know, like kind of blueprint for the number of relationships we can maintain. And 50 is the typical hunter-gathering like camp size. Then after that, 150 is the largest of the social circles. That's the number of people with whom we can maintain meaningful relationships that we can allow Mm. ourselves to be impacted by. Outside of that, can't manage it. Can't, Mm -hmm. we should not now... You have, what, 2 million followers? That's a lot bigger than Dunbar's number. (laughs) So we should not be us as these little humans who have not evolved to experience the, the, or even like stand the feelings and and thoughts and opinions of 2 million. Mm -hmm. That would make a person crazy. So you got to like say, what are the 150 that matter to me? And of that, I would say... Only listen to what those 15 good friends say about your eyebrows. <laughs> you know? The problem, those are the people Sarah, who actually care. Yeah, but those 15 people were not telling me about my eyebrows and how I was losing they, them. They will love you no matter what your eyebrows look like. <laughs> That's the lesson. Yeah. 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 That's what I think. And it's it, like we're all – you know what it was for me that I could – and it's things that – Oh my God, being on reality, I mean, they just tell you everything. There's mm-hmm. so, 
This one I heard in a, a forum or in some post where I was like, well, I didn't worry about that. And now I do. Somebody called me an anchor nose. They were like, look oh, at what? her with that anchor nose. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is an anchor never nose? never heard of that. Yeah. Now I can't not see the anchor in my nose. It huh. looks like an anchor. And that I also think all noses do. But now right. it's like that's all I can see when I look in the mirror. And that was never in my brain. Like that, I didn't even know what the fuck that was. And now yeah. I can't not see that. So I would have loved to not see that comment ever and just feel like I, I still have the same adorable nose that I always had. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, it's so weird. There's also Isn't like, I it think weird? This, it's very weird. I think this maybe happens especially for people on reality shows or reality stars, but I think a lot of people are like, well, you signed up for it. So that means that I can just fucking right. trash you. You posted right. it or you're trying to be an influencer. So that means I can tear you down. Right. It's like, no, like you right. never agreed to like go on MTV and do all the challenges so that like people could like talk fucking shit about you. Right. right. Yeah. So it's a little bit of that, like reduced face to face thing. Like mm. if any of these people, it's so funny. Whenever I meet fans in real life, I'm always their favorite. Oh, would, you know it. I've never met anybody who was like, oh, I actually hate you. But right. online, there sure are a lot of them. So as soon as I'm face-to-face, -face, nobody's going to be like, oh, anchor nose, you're the worst. Oh, fuck you for taking... No! Because as soon as we are able to see each other face-to-face, -face, people can't hide behind that anonymity that you were talking about. And mm -hmm. people are jerks. That yeah, isolation, exactly. that like, being away from uh, the person or being uh, like not seeing the person and not being face to face with the person that you're talking shit on makes it much mm -hmm. easier. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, what else? What else is it what ruining else? in our lives? Uh, you know what is one that we haven't talked about, but is, oh, God, this is like, I went back and forth on what my New Year's goal was going to be. Whether it was going to be sleep, like more sleep or more stretching, I went with stretching. But sleep disturbances with the phone. Yep. Technology has led to changes in our sleep patterns. Oh, it is so impactful. Just that blue light, getting a restful sleep. The people who go to bed with the TV on or the bed to bed with, uh, you know, like the computer on something. That light is very, very unnatural and very disruptive to our circadian rhythm. So, so the thing that happens to me, the way that like my sleep is disturbed the most is that I wake up in the middle of the night always. Like this has always been a thing. I'll wake mm -hmm. up at one or three in the morning and then I just sort of like toss around for maybe two to three minutes and then I fall asleep. But now if I toss around for two to three minutes, I'll be like, what's on my phone? <laughs> like, and I'll, and, and then it's right now there. you just extended that two to three minutes to to so two to three 20. hours. Yeah. Right. No, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. And then I wake up right when I wake up, like I just reach for my phone. I know that I shouldn't be. I know that I should just be laying there. I know that I should just be like taking it easy. I, I know that like the, I was talking to my therapist not too long ago about how much the phone is messing up my sleep and affecting my mental health. And the, the, the deal that I came up with for myself was that I wasn't going to look at the phone until I woke up, did my fitness, ate my breakfast, 
did my shower, got dressed, and then I'll look at my phone, which might not be until 9 a.m. And I never did that once. I was like, this is the most impossible thing ever for me or for anyone on, like, the human planet. Uh, How long does it take you to look at your phone when you wake up? Uh, It depends on whether Eli has looked Mm. at his first if oh, and depends on, but I have a great trick. I don't know if I've shared Tell this me. on here before, but this is, I'm telling you guys, do not take my word for it. Try it. I promise you this will be, you'll be like, oh fuck, that worked so well. And all I needed was like a little pause before, before you go to bed, put your phone in a Tupperware container next to your bed. It is clear. You can see it if there's an emergency. You can see if it's going to go off. The one step of having to unlock, and if it's that one that has the four sides that like lock on, you ain't looking at that phone, trust me. At that one little speed bump that we put in front of that habit of you reaching will give you enough time to mentally pause and go, is this how I want to start my day? And Mm. then you will make a different decision. All we need is that little interrupter, that putting your phone in a Tupperware container. I've heard nothing but positive uh, uh, feedback from all my clients who try this. And they all are like, "Mm, we'll see. And they're like, holy shit, that really worked. No, that's a really good idea. There There are containers that look like Tupperware that go a step further where like you can set a timer and lock it. So you can't open it until the timer goes off. So if you need... I could see those anxious people being like, what if there's an emergency? Or there's no mom on the fucking planet who's going to, like, let her phone be in a locked (laughs) thing that's going to, like, what if there's an emergency with my child, blah, blah, blah. Maybe dads, too. I don't want to, like, you know, not include you guys. You care about your children as well. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, that that four-sided, you don't need to Mm -hmm. buy anything fancy. Hmm. Just do that. And And then let me know how it goes. Let me yeah. know if it works. Let me know if it doesn't work. I like that. It will work. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So that's my little trick. There's all, not just all that stuff, but there's also like a ton of other things. There's like fear of missing out where like yes. oh, it I creates a sort of like, yeah. And and this is like, we got this in the analog days, like way before social media, fear of missing out. Like it was, what are your friends doing on a Friday and Saturday? Are they hanging out without you? Why is that happening? Are we going to the party? What's up? But now there's like proof. Like you can go online and see your friends at the party and you're just like, no, why not me? It's a yeah. horrible feeling. Yeah. It mm-hmm. makes it harder to be a, a, like deceptive about, oh. I'm just, I'm going to the movies. And then you post Mm -hmm. pictures or somebody posts pictures of you at a party, you liar. So yeah, it makes it harder to, to, I don't know, sneak around and be anonymous and things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And and all of this is happening or most of this is happening because of the dopamine hits that you're getting from your brain that causes a feeling of addiction. Like your brain is feeling very addicted to the dopamine hits that you're getting. Uh, so you're going to keep on – and it's and it's a sort of classic intermittent reinforcement sort of thing. So whenever you're trying to like train your dog or whatever, you don't give them a treat every single time. You only give them a treat sporadically. And then that makes yes. it so that they are the most obedient. And that is what our, friend, our, our phones are doing. I was going to call them our friends. Our phones are not our friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they are giving us this intermittent dopamine hits. And that's why we're scrolling forever because we will eventually get a dopamine hit that won't be as much as we want it to be. So we're going to continue to scroll anyways. And there's like, did you hear about the guy... 
who came up with the idea of the never-ending scroll. Um, oh, shit. He's, he, he's talked about, he's like, this is the worst invention I've ever created. Wow. Like, that, how, like, now we can scroll and the algorithm will, stopped. like, make it so that it'll never, ever end. Yeah. Uh, I've been on, and, the, yeah. on TikTok so long that somebody's popped up, be like, could you still be on here? Are you <laughs> sure you shouldn't put the phone away? And I was like, oh, no, I think I have a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't like it. Scroll All past right, them well, as fast as you can. We've talked about the positives. We've talked about the negatives. So we have a question from a listener that I think a lot of you guys may be thinking right now. And I think it's going to help us dive into what to do. Like, where do we go from here? So this question is, I have to spend a lot of time online for work. How can I still use technology, but also keep in mind the negative effects it has on my mental health? You know, it sounds like cheesy or whatever, but like you might want to try to use those parental controls, right? There, yes. there is like, yeah, Be whatever. Your own Apple, Sometimes Microsoft, I need a little Google. parenting. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a ton of tools out there that will keep you from going to like all the other apps or turning off the notifications or whatever it is. Um, but that's usually the first place that I start, and also like. Before you turn on the computer or get on your phone, what is the intention? What is your goal? Why are you doing this? How can you like stay focused on that thing and then not get distracted by all the other things that are pulling you in different directions? Yeah, I used to store a lot of like information or, or I would communicate with friends in my Instagram messages. And I realized that doing that then made me open Instagram and look at those messages when I needed to find, oh, where are we going to dinner? What time's our reservation? Whatever. And I had to move it back to text messages. And I couldn't mm-hmm. do it because that even just, I don't know, having conversations spread over multiple like apps mm-hmm. made me less intentional with how I used those mm-hmm apps. So I think going in with the intention, writing down, why am I using this? Uh, you know, what are my objectives today? Say you are somebody who has to do a lot of work online. You're maybe you work in, uh, I don't know, promotions for whatever you're on Instagram a lot. A lot of being on Instagram is you have to engage in it in order to get promoted and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, giving yourself a time limit and being strict with those boundaries because as we've talked about there are a lot of consequences for not so i think even before going into like how do i um uh, interact with technology and have it not affect my mental health first take maybe a a, an inventory or, or get an assessment of how the technology is affecting your health are there certain apps that are doing it more for me it's tiktok and instagram it's not as much um, I don't know what the hell else is there. Just like Twitter, regular old internet, you know, Facebook, like, yeah, regular Safari web browser. Yeah. Yeah. Safari yeah. is not a problem, but <laughs> it's Instagram and TikTok and TikTok specifically that is totally designed to do that and will suck you in. So yeah, I've, I've also, boundaries. uh, I've made it so that if I do go on Twitter or X formerly known as Twitter, I might only, <laughs> yeah, Elon, fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> I will. I might only go on there and just look at like lists that I created for what I'm interested. So I'm only going to look at the basketball 
like Twitter people that I follow. Cool. Um, and, and that's like, that's oh, yeah. it because if anything else, or if I'm going to, if I'm on TikTok, I'm only going to look at my, the people that I follow instead of the for you page. Cause it's the for you page that like gets me going. Or if I'm on Instagram, I'm only going to be on there if I have to do like business therapy, Jeff stuff, because I don't, I'm not going to get pulled. So like I set those intentions. You could also like get those apps that like keep track of how much time, like right, that you're spending on that all That sounds the... like mindful use is really what yes. you're doing there. You're like yeah. mindful about how you're going to use it. You're aware of what you're looking at mm-hmm. and that can help you separate whether am I doing this to, I don't know, like feel happy and, and or right. is this just mindless scrolling? Right. Like, am I doing this to connect with people I like, see some fun things? Yeah. Or is it just mindless scrolling, which will lead to that depression and anxiety? Yeah. There's also and, this has been yeah. in the news. I do I I do not recommend this, but I wonder <laughs> if it would be helpful for people. Have you heard of the app Covenant Eyes? Oh, is There's it the like, one where somebody else watches what you watch? <laughs> right. It's for porn. Like yeah. for people that are just like for like the people that are really religious and think that porn is yeah. just the absolute worst, and you get to monitor your kids like a uh, uh, phone to see or their computer to see if there's been like some sort of like porn use and then you can shame them and make them feel horrible about themselves and their bodies and penises and vagina whatever. It's it's a horrible it's a horrible app. Horrible. And if you if you are a kid and you have a parent that has installed Covenant Eyes on your computer and you want a way to get around it, what you can do is actually partition your hard drive so that you have two different hard drives on your computer. One is that where the Covenant eyes are connected, and then there's another hard drive where like your parents don't know about it. So that's just like so a... So many words I don't know. Okay. If if you know what I'm talking about, though, probably get like you little boys that like know too much yeah. about, just partition your hard drive. You'll be fine. Your parents will never know. Look at all the porn on the dirty Man, hard drive. I hope drive. that there are some but, 18 year old boys listening to us right now. Being yeah. Like, you're welcome. Can I be better as a person? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll listen to Sarah but, and Jeff. I, w- I wonder if I knew that my friends were looking at my phone like activity, if yeah. I would, if I would like be different, if I would be oh, a lot I, more mindful. Uh, there was a week when Eli and I were comparing hours we spent. I was mm. different the next week because I was like, I don't want him to know how much time I was on Amazon. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's very embarrassing. So. I don't know. <laughs> if there's like some not problematic Covenant Eyes app where just yeah. like you and your friend are like looking at what you're – I don't know if that's a good idea. That's There's privacy It's kind of there. like uh, um, accountability, like an accountability buddy. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So maybe yeah. you're – yeah, you're like setting boundaries and also having somebody else help you be accountable. I'm a big fan of just being uh, uh, very selective – in mm. what you see and what you look at. The uh, the algorithm does a lot, but we also have the power in following, unfollowing, liking, the kind of content that makes us feel good. You know, if it's stuff that makes you feel bad, I I had to unfollow, and, and this was nothing against any single one person or anything they were doing. I unfollowed every single cast member and reality person that I was on a TV show with because Mm. it was a world that I needed to just step back from. And I needed to, again, to like, uh, uh, I don't know, create that identity or or Mm -hmm. more like secure that identity, I guess, live that identity outside of who I was Mm -hmm. on the show. And 
Instagram does not know the difference between you like reality television or you are on reality television. So they feed me a lot of reality content that I do mm-hmm. not need in my life. I was like, no, just because everybody follows me does not mean I'm into this. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, to curate that. And now it's like happy animals and, mm-hmm. and ski videos and, you know, what's happening at the Denver like restaurants I like. So a little different. <laughs> Yeah. It was not like that when I was on reality TV. Um, okay, we have a few more. We've already talked about this one. Don't use technology before bed. So that we've given, given you the Tupperware container. Uh, uh, you know, we talked about being president. Pr- big president. Big no, president. being present. <laughs> well, no, Sorry. run for president and cancel yes. all the social media companies. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is exactly. definitely an option, yeah. Be present. <laughs> you know, and being present just – this is when you are in real life with other people, you know? I can't stand when I, when I go somewhere and I see all the teenagers, or it doesn't even have to be teenagers, it could be like adults, and everybody's at dinner on their phone. What are we doing here? You are mm-hmm. going to miss out from things that are happening around you and interactions with others and those things that, that, like that Dunbar number, those five people who are our close friends, like we should not be missing out on social engagements with those people because we're glued to our phone during them. Like Mm -hmm. that is not going to help. So be present, recognize when it's a time for technology and a time for being IRL. Something to keep in mind if you're struggling with any of these things is that it's totally okay and very normal to seek professional help. I have Tons of clients who talk to me about their feelings of addiction or their unhealthy relationship with technology, and there are a bunch of things that I do with that client uh, in order to help them through this very tricky situation. And it seems like to me that technology maybe isn't going to go away. So it's important to figure out like, all right, deliberately, what do you want your relationship to look like with technology and how can you have like a healthier balance of it in your life? We talked about the positives and the negatives and everything in between. It's important that you're more intentional about this. Okay. So that's it for today on technology and how it's affecting your mental health. We uh, hope that you have a wonderful holiday break because we're going to go on one ourselves and we'll talk to you very soon in the new year. Bye.